0: What up? This is Yinka Dez. Peace. This is Outlaw. And you're listening to the 80s Babies Podcast. And we're taking a departure from what we normally
1: do. We had a hip-hop episode scheduled for y'all today but given the events that happened over the weekend we thought you know like we're both UVA alum. We're both African-American and you know what would it look like if we're talking about some hip-hop stuff when some various serious events that you know took place over the weekend involving our alma mater um those took place and we didn't address that so we're going to address that today and with us we have two very special guests um fellow fellow uva alum we've got greg jackson
2: hey good evening everybody uh a little closer to the mic oh a little closer to the mic what's up everybody (laughs) and
1: we also have Irva cockfield
3: hi everyone
1: um and so Irvin myself are the class of 05, Greg is class of 07, and yep. Yinka is a class of 06. Yep. Um, and so we have everybody here today, and we just thought it would be a good time to just, you know, express our thoughts and just talk about it. So, so I guess good. I can start it off.
0: Yeah. Um. I mean, so so I think maybe all three of y'all uh, participated in the uh, vigil that, that occurred last night. So maybe, I don't know if you want to start there. Sure, sure.
1: So uh, Greg Jackson to my left, he's um, very involved in the community. And he decided to put this vigil together, which Irva actually spoke at. So I'll let you go ahead and talk about, you know, what were your thoughts going into that?
2: Yeah, I mean, we, um, to be honest, it felt like it needed to happen. You know, we went through a really traumatic situation as a community. And whether you went to UVA or you're from Charlottesville, and when even the word vigil came up um, around Sunday and Monday, um, I immediately thought like, that's got to be us. Like we have to do it. You know, we can't turn around and wait for some political organization or, you know, some nonprofit to do it. Like we're alumni. Like we are the people who, who grew up in those communities. Um, You know, some of our friends, one of my younger uh, fraternity brothers was grazed by the car that, um, that took out Heather. And so, you know, the only way for us to do it the way that um, I think alumni would have really wanted to be was if we actually took the charge and and let it. So that's kind of how it started. Um, originally, we were just going to meet at uh, Lincoln Memorial and take mm-hmm. a great picture and just kind of have candles. But then someone said, "Hey, let's go to the Jefferson Memorial. Like right. that's, that's that's who fitting. founded us." Yeah. That's um, and then, but someone said, "Well, you know, it can't be just Thomas Jefferson. Right. Like Ma- Martin Luther King is a big, big factor in the whole fight for civil rights and our progress. Why don't we start at Jefferson and then march to Martin Luther King?" And I was like, "Oh, that's man, that's dope. <laughs> right on the <laughs> way. Then, too. Yeah, that's perfect." And then, okay. and then from there we can go to the Lincoln Memorial. So it transitioned from. Just being a a, a kind of somber gathering to right. kind of a, a vigil that would physically show the progress that we have to make as a community um, after the the actual traumatic events.
0: Right. So to take it a step back, just quickly and kind of introduce it for folks that I guess may not be as privy to what what occurred. Um, there was, uh, I guess they're calling themselves white nationalists, alt-right, uh, white supremacists, whatever they want to call themselves. And the neo-Nazis. Um, Neo-Nazis and the new version of the KKK. I don't even know what that's even called.
1: Neo-Confederates, whatever. But uh, a,
0: a large group of folks that you know had these similar interests and motivations marched on um, Charlottesville, which is the, the home of University of Virginia, where we're all alums, um, came on a Friday, I believe, first to kind of discuss and protest the taking down of the the Robert E. Lee statue, um, and then beyond that, I guess took it to another level and on on Saturday, and um, eventually, which I don't even really know the entirely, but I guess they were they were given a permit, but I guess to meet at McIntyre Park and decided instead to go to downtown mall, or I'm not exactly sure how. You know, the events transpired that led to them also marching in downtown mall and it becoming a conflict between them Is, and anti protesters. Isn't one of the parks at
1: downtown mall? Isn't it so, around there? Near, so, yeah. so
0: the way I the way I read it was um they initially applied to get a permit to march on the, 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 the one that's close to the mall. Um and they had one and then the folks had second thoughts and moved them prior to Saturday, moved them from that park to McIntyre Park. But they decided that they wanted to march there anyway. And so that was where they met the conflict of folks from Charlottesville as well as students and et cetera, who were anti-protesters that didn't want that in, in the city. And, and right. that's how the events transpired. And,
2: and to be clear, just to back up one more point. So Friday mm-hmm. night was not even that was a a hate march. You know, they came through with torches, nah. screaming, very, um, frankly, white supremacist messages. Right. And so even the images, I'm sure if you Google it, if you haven't seen it already, you can see images of folks literally screaming in the faces of students. Yeah. And when students they actually surround it um the, the one of the, the statue right yeah. and once the 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 marchers that night showed up I mean they actually started beating up on the students and these yeah. were this wasn't like a black student alliance or anything yeah. this was a diverse group of primarily white And the folks. group of
0: students was a very small group of students mm-hmm. and yeah. the folks that were marching was a, a much larger group That's and Friday. the other thing is um I don't know if you guys all saw it but uh the the vice piece that they put out it's about I 20 it. minutes yes yeah, um it. it it is wow like i mean I, it was stomach it was like even it for did, me it was difficult to watch yeah. it was actually almost like emotional watching that so i mean i think anybody who hasn't seen it definitely check it out um i know it's floating around on the net etc
2: and hit i'm sorry it hit. i want to make
0: sure Irva gets gets, uh, gets her points and i don't know if you
3: i mean i didn't know if you guys what you wanted me to say or what the well, format was going to be or let's
0: let's start off with what was just your
1: initial reaction to i guess friday night and not just friday night hearing about the rally because i'm assuming we all knew like i knew this was taking place from a while so what was just your all's initial reactions to that and what you saw friday night
3: i guess my initial reaction was you know i wasn't necessarily surprised that it that it was going to be happening because i feel that charlottesville you know there's some articles going around about how there's a reason why charlottesville was chosen and we know that historically um you know, Charlottesville was the center of a lot of resistance to integration in the past. Mm -hmm. And I feel that the these hate groups are basically coming back to Charlottesville and trying to turn it into the um, the trigger point for the revival of, Mm -hmm. you know, the Nazi movement, the white supremacist movement. And so they're basically looking to the past and saying, we want to you know, reinvigorate that spirit of what Charlottesville may have stood for. You know, a hundred years ago or or um, seventy years ago during um, Jim the Jim Crow period. So, at first, I was like, I'm not surprised that they're coming. Um, but what surprised me was the amount of violence hmm. that was there from the outset. You know, hmm. it wasn't. It was clear. When you show up someplace with torches, mm. with fire and semi-automatic weapons, it crazy. it's pretty clear what you're there to do. You know, yeah. you're even if you're not planning to use those weapons, you are planning to intimidate the entire community. Which
1: cannot be, that cannot be, you know, undersold, just how much they were trying to intimidate people. Yeah, and it's, and it's
0: crazy because, again, when we talk about why Charlottesville was the perfect kind of, you know, storm for what occurred, like, I mean... My, you know, me being, I, I, as y'all know, I came to UVA from another country. Like, I went to high school in another country and graduated from high school and came to UVA. So a lot of, you know, my my impressions of UVA were actually from someone who had never really spent time in the southern, the southern part of the United States. A, a lot of people don't recognize or realize that Virginia is in the south, but, mm-hmm. you know, particularly Charlottesville is definitely in the south uh but one of the things that it, w- that i noticed about charlottesville when i came was um kind of it's a very unique mix of of just like disparate uh demographics and cultures like one of the first things i noticed was the first time i went to downtown mall how many interracial couples i saw i right. saw a lot of a lot of white women and black men or black or, you know or vice versa um i saw a lot of mixed kids you know the, and the, and those things were like i haven't i hadn't seen that like you know, as much in, in some of the other major cities that I have been to. Um, and then, you know, going from the campus and then going across the train tracks to the other side of Charlottesville and seeing that, and then going to, you know, the wineries and some of Crozet, Virginia, and some of the other places and seeing the wealth that's on that side. I mean, you just you just have this like very unique mix of, of different, you know, socioeconomic classes and, and races and et cetera. And I feel like that creates kind of like a perfect storm in this situation where you have folks that a lot of them weren't even from, you know, Charlottesville or from the school You talk about like the, that, white the White Supremacists? White Supremacists?
1: I'm not sure if any of them were from there. I'm not uh. sure. Well, I mean, I've he-
3: I've heard people say that, you know, they they saw so and so, they recognized faces and faces in the crowd. Okay. Um people that they knew were from the community and again, I don't think that that's surprising. I mean, mm. Just looking at the history of events that led up to this, there was the vote back in February to take down the statue, and it was a three to two vote. Hmm. So we know that um, a third of that voting body was for keeping the statute, and they're representing the views of yeah
0: Community i mean that's members, what i'm saying so. we like we you know i honestly feel like a lot of folks with these sentiments shared classes with us we went to parties with them on rugby road like like these aren't foreign sentiments and i feel like a lot of those people are invigorated and empowered by the numbers and by you know who we have in office so let's but did you have a point you wanted to make? yeah
2: i mean go ahead you you know i i mean you guys may notice but the people who are listening may not notice i mean i grew up in charlottesville all right you know, I, my first job, my first kiss was in Charlottesville. My first job was a dishwasher at Ponderosa Steakhouse. <laughs> you know, my first time playing basketball was in downtown Charlottesville. You know, organized. Sloan's Restaurant, which is right near the campus, right. sponsored our first uniforms. Like, you know, and I think it, it, this for this, is it's really, really hard because I think there are some deep-rooted... Um, I, I don't know how to best say it, but there's some deep-rooted misinterpretations of history you know a lot of my friends and neighbors you know they, they were taught to have pride in being from the south mm-hmm. you know well before they knew what racism was or what you know what it meant to be you know black versus white versus mexican and so i will literally have friends who i would hang out with every day from elementary school all the way to high school and in high school mm-hmm. they pull up with a truck with confederate flag on the back right. mm-hmm. and you're like man you've been rolling with, you know, all the lyrics of the Biggie song, like, I do. you know, like, what is
3: this? Yeah,
2: yeah, You know, and, but for them, it was, it was a, a symbol of heritage. And I think there's a huge misunderstanding of what, th- what lives in these symbols, right? And mm-hmm. there's people who, who carry them without understanding how much pain and hate is mm-hmm. baked into that. Right. And so I, I always struggle when we, when we go back to Charlottesville and we say, well, it's Charlottesville, you know, but like, I don't think it's 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 largely a very progressive um, city, but larger than its like political standing, it's a very communal environment. You know, mm-hmm. people always look out for each other and care about each other and speak to each other and will hold. You know, they'll hold your cart for you while you mm-hmm. put your bags in the grocery. You know, like they'll do those type of things. And I feel like what we mm-hmm. saw this weekend was totally against that. Regardless, but, if it was but, but don't you feel don't
0: you feel as though? Um, when you when you have topics, subject matter, et cetera, that is so divisive. Right. When you have a when you have a a political establishment that is so divisive, when people have to take their sides, at the end of the day, you know, when when it came time for those people that you went to middle school with, maybe and it became high school time and the truck pulled up, they got in the truck. Like yeah. and it's not, you know, it's not they didn't they, it wasn't it wasn't, you know, I don't like Greg, you know, they might have loved you but at the end of the day people are going to take their sides right and so you know it's our, our, do you stand with this or do you stand against this and i think we got a large scale demonstration of that there's a lot of people who stand on that side when they're forced to choose sides right well, I, so i have a question to ask and one
1: of the reasons i'm going to preface this question by saying one of the reasons why you know we invited these two guests on the show um greg has already stated that you know he grew up in charlottesville right. but Irva spent nine years in charlottesville uh four for undergrad two right. working as a high school counselor and three for law school and Irva caught my attention um Recently uh, on Facebook, look, mm-hmm. everybody had an opinion on Facebook, and Irva was quick to point out, "Hey guys, like we're all pointing out the." Um, actually, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and let you uh, state <laughs> state what you had to say. So, thank you. <laughs> go ahead.
3: <laughs> oh, hey, get him. <clears throat> well, you know, I get, I guess my opinion. Some might consider it an unpopular opinion, but I felt like I was hearing from a lot of alumni, and since I am a law grad and a undergrad grad you know it was like these two groups and especially in the community of graduate students there were a lot of people saying things that i just found odd. they were like i survived you know i survived the racism of charlottesville or mm. seeming to want to jump on a bandwagon about mm. charlottesville is this one thing and that one thing is it's a racist town and look at me i survived mm. and that's why i'm not um surprised at everything that's going on there. Mm -hmm. And I just found it interesting because these are people that I know that you we're Facebook friends. I knew where they were hanging out Mm -hmm. and I knew that they really weren't a part of the Charlottesville community. Um, And they didn't really make a lot of efforts, the majority of them, to really get to know the community. So Mm -hmm. so for them to be speaking on behalf of a community that they were not truly a part of, had never made an effort to be a part of, was surprising and then for them to only be painting one picture of that community it just seemed like I felt like I had to come out and say something so I basically was calling people out on their lack of investment in the community Mm -hmm. and their interests only now you know now that this is going on and they're just jumping on the bandwagon painting this horrible picture um and I really wanted to ask people was it Charlottesville where you encountered these experiences or was it UVA
0: so what is your view then I mean my, of, view, of charlottesville. Yeah, of charlottesville. my view of
3: charlottesville is that it's a place with a very um complicated history but that it's a progressive community mm. i mean when i was a counselor i was at fluvanna county high school actually that's where greg went to high school mm. um and just like you were talking about lots of interracial couples even in the high school lots of interracial couples lots of people who were very Mm -hmm. open-minded, and lots of people also who were just misinformed. So Mm -hmm. I found that there were a lot of good people who had a uh, a misunderstanding of history, like Greg said. So they may have seen that Confederate flag on their truck as being a symbol of Southern pride, but what they were lacking was that ability to be compassionate about how does this impact my neighbor who is mm-hmm. a black person? So th- it was really like a lack of compassion, mm-hmm. a lack of complete understanding. But once you were able to bring them to that place of understanding, mm-hmm. which is easier with high school students than with adults, mm-hmm. you know there was a bit more understanding there of maybe, you know maybe I shouldn't have this, allow this Confederate flag t-shirt to be worn in the classroom. Um, so I think mm-hmm. it's just a lot of miseducation But really, at their heart, a lot of good people who are just trying to move beyond, you know, this history.
0: So, but to play devil's advocate, right, Mm -hmm. to that, like, what percentage of the folks that came out to protest this weekend do you think you know, did probably have good intentions, but, you know, had a lack of understanding. And as a result of the fact that, you know, they're gun rights advocates, so they want to show you that they have an automatic weapon. And, you know, they they believe that the statue is an important piece of history, so they want to defend the statue. And those two things, you know, ideologies just happen to collide to the fact where they're defending the statue with an automatic weapon. Like, what percentage of the crowd do you think had had that because I, I don't think everybody in that crowd and i'm not donald trumping this right but <laughs> right. i don't think everybody in that crowd was was a person who wants to kill all black people or all jewish people or whatever right um i mean I is is it is it okay is it good enough to just be a good person who just happens to be in a crowd of i'm Nazis? not talking about you know what I, I mean?
3: i'm talking about the community members of charlottesville right the Protesters, whatever they want to call themselves, that were there. My understanding is the majority of those people were not community members. There were community members there, of course, who hold these ugly ideologies, but it was people from the outside who came there with no interest in trying to, you know, move beyond this way of thinking. Mm -hmm. So I'm not even talking about those people. I'm really talking about just the average person who may have interracial couples in their family but may also be flying a confederate flag on their you know in their house it's like a lack of honest understanding and compassion so when you get into these conversations yeah. um that they may be having in their own family right. people are coming from two completely po- different points of view you have the i'm just talking about southern pride here versus you know that flag really represents hatred and slavery and secession from the united states yeah and the splitting of a democracy. Yeah. Um, so there is a there's a disconnect, um, cognitive dissonance, whatever you want to call it, yeah. mm-hmm. where you can hate an entire group but still love your daughter-in-law or mm-hmm. your boyfriend yeah. or your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. It's just something that is missing there. So. Yeah.
1: so my question for all three of y'all then is people were still... Al- alumni were still expressing on Facebook the you know the idea that they experienced racism in Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. And so if we're to interpret that this actual town of Charlottesville is a lot more progressive than we're feeling, do you think that the folks who were expressing, you know, this, uh, this sentiment that they that they felt racism when they were at school, do you think that it w- you know do you think that there's merit to that and if so where do you think that they're getting that sense of racism from?
2: I mean I th- I I always think there's merit to people when they're expressing their own personal experiences. But I also feel like and I also feel like you know, we need to recognize that racism is a national thing. You're going to experience racism no matter where you are in this country unfortunately. Mm. And that's that's not a life that I want my children to lead. That's not a life I glorify, but that's reality. And I think the the racism that I faced as an elementary school kid in Charlottesville as a high schooler in Fluvanna County and as a young professional in Washington DC, I've just been seeing it from different angles in different ways. And I can't step back and say my time at UVA was where I was being attacked and, you know mm. the most. And right. um and so I know people give me a hard time about it because they say, Well Greg, well how can you how can you kind of like, you know, glaze over some of what happened at UVA? And I was like, because I've lived a full life mm-hmm. and I've been through actually much worse. You know, and a lot of my friends have been through much worse, and are still going through some of those mm-hmm. things. And so, I think it's important. And maybe, and maybe I'm, maybe I, you know, maybe they are a little more privileged than I am, and mm-hmm. maybe that was the only time they felt that sense of racism. But you know, I remember being called, you know, uh, racially I've been racially called horrible things when I was in second grade, third mm-hmm. grade. You know, my when I was in first grade, my teacher uh, called me special you know in front of other students because I was black not because I had special needs but because I literally had different color skin you know and I mean and that hasn't and even when I moved to North Carolina it was the Mm -hmm. same thing I've dealt with so many different situations there too and I just feel like the journey of a black person or a black man or even a minority if you are literally living in in the diversity Mm -hmm. of America you're going to face these challenges in a lot of different ways
0: but do you think that maybe um you know Folks are are just highlighting those things because, you know, these events have kind of reconnected them with, you know, it's like, a terrible tragedy of of this magnitude in this you know vein has happened, and it's like, oh yeah, I remember that time when X, Y, and Z happened. And additionally, right, we have a lot of folks that are alums that are not from the South and are not from Virginia. Mm-hmm. So right. maybe the the brand of racism that they received when they were in Charlottesville was something that was like a new a new experience for them, other than like what they've experienced wherever they are back home. Because like you said, right, it's it's a national and even global. Like thing, right it it's isn't. not it's not unique to Charlottesville, but um I think the brands of racism that you receive in different places are different.
3: I think I can speak to that because I'm from New York, and right. so Charlottesville was my first experience with the South mm-hmm. um, and i'm I'm from New York and then I also grew up in a Caribbean community. so it was like living in that ethnic enclave, not even really having the quote unquote, American experience, like Mm. a lot of New Yorkers have that because their families are from different parts of the world Mm. and you just grow up with people like you and you don't really feel that overt racism even though you might be living in a situation that's the result of institutional racism. Mm. And so I felt like when I came to UVA, I started to understand more of the person to person racism Mm. that um, is often talked about. Um, and I think that's what a lot of our classmates were talking about. They're like, you know, it's the first time maybe I heard someone call me the N-word. Um, another UVA student called me the N-word. And they never experienced that before, um, even though they may have been in the educational system that was affected by some type of institutional racism wherever they came from. So it was that like in-your-face kind of racism that was different. And when I was t- I was talking to a friend about the event this weekend, and she was saying You know, I I feel like Charlottesville is racist. I'm like, well, by that vein, America is racist. Everywhere is is racist because we are all... She was like, look at the educational system. Look at the housing system. And I said to her, I was like, I'm from New York. We have all of these issues. As diverse as it is, the educational system is racist. Mm. Parts of Long Island, New York, are are some of the uh, most racially segregated places in the United States of America, even though it's this big melting pot. So if we can just paint with these broad strokes, then everywhere is racist. I feel like we need to have some more nuance to how we talk about these issues. So that was kind of my concern that people were taking these one-on-one experiences and extrapolating it to every interaction that they had in the community.
1: Well, the thing that I find interesting um, is that you know, you would think that, you know, you, uh, you a university, you know, being of higher education, you would think that that's where you would not really see the racism. And from my experience being in Charlottesville, uh, being at UVA, I felt, you know, I felt the racism every single day in mm-hmm. the sense that every single month, it felt like every single week, and I forget the author's name. If I remembered the name, I would say it but i was constantly being reminded all the african-american students were being reminded that we did not deserve to be at that institution mm-hmm. um that the only reason why we were there <clears throat> is because we are minorities because we were black um because of affirmative action and it was a daily reminder and then when you think about you know things that happened with your friend um you know when she was assaulted uh i mean i'm not sure if i should say her name but okay mm-hmm. so either way um those types of things like those were actions from the fellow students uh, and so I feel like that was kind of the the, the, the racial cl- climate just among the student body. And the reason why I would kind of want to bring this up is because Richard Spencer is a UVA alum. right? And I feel like one of the reasons why, yeah. you know, everything is kind of drawn to Charlottesville right now is because I guess that's sentimental to him. And so he, mm. do you think that has anything to do with it, the fact that he's a UVA alum? I definitely oh, do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: definitely.
2: I'm sure it does. But you know what? Like, Greg Jackson's a University of Virginia alum, too. And I think that's what we really need to to keep pushing is like the beauty of UVA was like, yes, things would happen, but the reaction to when something racial happened was like the community would come together and ride for it. You know, like I don't know if you guys remember when we had that situation where this bar, you know, they put up a dress yep, code yep. that was blatantly racist. Mm-hmm. And when we shut uh, it, we literally shut it down. Walking, Jab-walking. Jab-walking. Yeah. We literally yeah. shut it down. <laughs> we boycotted it, we had petitions, yep. we yep. had sit-ins, we had we were all over the newspaper. Yep. I mean, we shut the building down. Yep. You know, and right now on U Street, there's a bar, Apple Lounge, Ethiopian mm-hmm. owned. I'm going mm-hmm. to call them out that has the, almost the exact same oh, dress code. Right? Moment I said something about that. When did that
0: happen? Because it wasn't been there. It, it's been there for oh, months. Like that?
2: Moment I said that, you know, to my friends in DC, oh, mm-hmm. you know, don't worry about it, man. Nah, you know, but yeah, people, yeah. the people didn't ride for it. And yeah, like, and I, I think agree. that's, I think that's, a, a, I think that's the contrast is that mm-hmm. we were faced with a lot of stuff. And, mm-hmm. but I think the, the caliber of people who were there was like, we're not going to just let this happen. Like, if they want to yeah. do something like that, mm-hmm. the community is going to come back harder and stronger. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're seeing mm-hmm. that now. Yeah. With with this situation. They they thought they were gonna just get away with storming through the campus yep. with tiki tiki torches and that they pulled out somebody's backyard. Yep. And now they have a whole national movement of celebrities and all these folks and now the president of the United States is over here a having statement. to make a statement. Exactly. And, and additionally he's, he's in
0: hot water. And additionally folks are losing their jobs behind it, et cetera. Right. And I mean to piggyback on what you're saying, I, I first of all I agree with what Outlaw's saying in terms of what he faced because I, I also faced a lot of similar things. Yep. The first I don't think I ever feared police until I came to to University of Virginia. Like that was when I had my like oh my god, I'm a black man. If if I see a police officer, he might kill me. I, I never felt that way before I came to UVA. But I will say when I describe my UVA experience to folks that either went to HBCUs or didn't go to UVA and ask about it, I say UVA was like a small black school inside of a big white school. And it was like, when we had issues, we all rode for each other. Everybody always had everybody's back. Like we all knew each other and we all took care of each other. And that community, that sense of community is something that's definitely worth celebrating. And I mean, it, it's you know I mean Greg you know you're younger than me but you you know have definitely been an advocate for a lot of different things but even stemming before I was there right. you know our older brothers and sisters our folks that were there they, they g- gave us a great example to follow you know for, for by the time I got there when I was there I remember one of the first maybe, it might have been my first week at UVA the Cav Daily printed up some Racist shit. I'm sorry for saying a bad word. Did. Right? As, that's cool. and, um, and and and, ca- and the community said, "Yo, we gonna ride on this. We're not gonna let this go." And everybody got together. We all met, you know, at the OAA. We said, "How are we gonna? You know, how are we gonna address this?" We came up with the plan as to how we we're gonna address it, and we addressed it. And the Cav Daily had to come out and make a statement and apologize. They printed an apology. So I mean, it's like we, while we did face certain things, I think in some ways we are the change that we want to see in the university and and i think that's some of what we saw and the reason why you know like you said they didn't just march through the campus with tiki torches there was you know an equal and opposite reaction to what they did and it's been forceful and immediate so i mean that's something to celebrate And if i
3: could just i mean add to that i think that it's the reaction that really is the you know the barometer of the community right there's a lot of communities where I, there have been KKK rallies in recent years that yeah. have been you know, allowed to go on in communities and people are literally rolling over and just allowing it and they're like, oh, it's Southern Pride, yeah. it's whatever. They don't have any reaction to it. And so for me, I think looking at the reaction of the community is a better measurement of what do these people stand for? What does UVA stand, what does the UVA student body stand for? What do the residents of Charlottesville stand for? And this weekend showed that, you know, they are standing for progress i mean the newspaper in the community is called the daily progress right mm. so <laughs> yeah. we might not be we might not be there right now we have a long way to go um but this reaction demonstrates that people are not about to roll over and allow what's going on with these white supremacists to to continue. And this is always gonna be a hostile environment Mm. for white nationalism. It's not gonna be a welcoming environment. And that's really the message that needs to be you know, reiterated and communicated um, to any future white nationalists that think that they can make a home in Charlottesville.
1: So I kind of want to switch up the topic just a little bit. And each of you have mentioned, use this word, you know, reaction or reactionary, and it reminded me of something that one of your speakers um, said last night. And he said that, you know, he's he's kind of bittersweet, he was glad to see all the support out, but he was really angry because this is a reactionary step. And for whatever reason that really struck a chord with me i was like you know what that's right this is kind of a reactionary step and i'm curious like what do you think that we can do to kind of keep this from happening because we all knew that this was i knew about this rally well in advance and my lazy ass didn't do anything about it you know what
0: i mean like i just sat there on the well, news the community did right and that, well, and that was the reason why it got moved but and that was the reason why why there was all the trepidation around it because people actually did take steps trying yeah, try right. to prevent it from happening. And here's,
2: and here's a big thing people are overlooking is that the violent conflicts that happened earlier on on Saturday morning is the reason part of the reason, maybe not because it's violent, but the the anti-protesters got to the protest yep. location before the protesters yep. got there. The, the so Antifa? Pro- yeah, and then the mm-hmm. protesters are trying to move them out, and that's when it becomes this conflict, right, and right. the police show up late and say, whoa, this is too much, we're shutting it down. Yeah. They shut it all down, yeah. and yeah. As, the, as the anti-protesters are literally... Walking back to their cars mm. in pride, thank you, we're so excited, we're glad we did this. And that's when mm. they're walking downtown, that's when a car comes behind them yeah. and hits them. You know, but at that point there were there was an organized force of people in Charlottesville that mm. successfully thwarted that how, how do you guys
0: feel, though, about the fact that the community had to take it into their own hands? If you watch the Vice thing, yeah. which I think we've all seen the first night, um, you see the police show up at the at the end. At the very and end. then the, right. bla- the black guy turns to the, to the police and he goes, y'all just showing up now. We already handled it. Make sure you all there tomorrow. Right. Right. And then similarly, the next day, as you said, the anti-protester showed up. Then the protesters showed up. Then the police showed up, the police showed up at the end. How do you guys feel about the police response and, you know, whether that exacerbated the situation or helped the situation?
2: I mean, it was I think that was a huge problem that they were late to a lot of things. And you'll hear different perspectives of like, hey, we were outgunned. We were scared. And I actually believe that my uncle said, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, was it Thursday night or Friday night? folks were the, the the protesters were rolling around Walmart parking lots with <laughs> semi-automatics pointing them at people. I mean, scaring folks to death. Yeah. You know, if you walk around Walmart with guns pointing them at people and you know, police officers know about that stuff. They're not trying to step into no no war zone right. like that. Right. But that is their job and I think that is that's is a big indicator of or a big reason why a lot of this flared up. From what I Oh, go ahead.
3: Oh no, I was going to say I agree that the police force didn't really know what they were getting into Mm. um, or what this was going to turn into or the Mm. intentions of the, you know, the hate groups that came down there. Mm. And I think this kind of raises some of these first amendment issues. Mm. Um, And because I'm a lawyer, it makes, you know, this stuff comes to mind. I do believe that all views should be represented, but I think that there is a lack of understanding that, um, Nazi groups it's not just a view it's this is right. hate this is hate speech, and even within the First Amendment jurisprudence and all the law, you know mm-hmm. there's some parameters that you put around hate speech or speech that's going to incite violence right and so I don't know all the details of mm-hmm. why the police arrived when they did, but I mm-hmm. think that they should have anticipated that this is a type of right. speech that is going to create violence, so we need to be a little more you know in proactive in my mind, in my mind it's
0: like you know. You look at straight out of Compton, right? I mean, mm-hmm. okay, N.W.A. made music that made people feel a certain way. The police were at their concerts before their concerts ever started. Exactly. You look at the Pink Panty Party. Sorry to 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 put our community on blast, but you look at the P.P.P. It got shut down two years in a row. The first year was because the police showed up before the party ever even started and just intimidated people into leaving. So it's like you anticipate that maybe something that you don't want to happen is going to happen. And so you show up to try to, you know, keep that situation from occurring. How would you not know that this is going to so be a situation? Here's, that's here's a really
2: big difference though, okay. between a party and a rap concert. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys were armed. Right. Semi-automatic so, weapons. Right. And I think that's something we, we, we haven't touched on nationally yet, yeah. but like, The fact that you can have that type of weaponry Mm -hmm. changes the dynamic of free speech for everybody oh yeah so
1: from what i understand Mm -hmm. um i did a little bit of investigating into this and apparently the police were not allowed to really move in and intervene until it was until the governor addressed the state of emergency and he didn't Mm -hmm. do that until you know the protest actually started breaking out but it you know it's hard not to look at this as an african-american and see that look i understand what conservatives like to say about the black lives matter movement i don't Mm -hmm. care i'm going to ignore it because it's not true Mm -hmm. um it's hard not to look at this as an african-american and look at all like the black lives matter movements that are that are reactionary to an unarmed individual getting shot by Mm -hmm. the police right um that's that's what they're responding to they're not you know it's not because um, someone disrespected Malcolm X or something like that. It's because, you know, a community member got shot and there's no justice, right? right. But you look at that and you see just how antagonistic um, the police are. And then you get these images in the media and it lets them portray African Americans as, as animals and savages and mm. they're resisting arrest and they're causing all this ruckus. And it's just yeah. like, these these folks were just walking in with signs of hate, yeah. armed to the T and just... And, and the other thing, too, um, I understand the whole freedom of speech argument, but like at what point does it cross the line? And maybe you can answer this because you're a lawyer, because, look, it's obvious hate speech. And those
0: folks were there to intimidate. Right. At what point Wait, does is it also body, against the law to intimidate someone? Well, at at no.
1: what point does the student body have to be taken into consideration? Because Ooh, right. if you're if you're the University of Virginia. I would like that that you have some kind of sway in the community. And it's just like, that has to be unacceptable to allow a hate group to come in to potentially intimidate your students. What's more important, their their freedom to express themselves Mm. or the educational environment of your students?
3: I mean, let me just say as a disclaimer, I'm not a First Amendment expert. (laughs) That's not the area of law, you know, that I practice in. But you know just as a blanket statement hate speech it has a right to be spoken you know the the way that mm. our democracy works is that um other speech will come in and hopefully right minded speech would would overtake that and and basically silence that but mm. you you have to give them an opportunity to speak but i think what mm. happened here it was beyond words you know it mm. was inciting violence words that would actually um create a violent reaction. And so but- that's really the line that you draw um between speech that is acceptable and speech that isn't. I think what's going on here that we haven't talked about, we have to talk about privilege, white privilege. Mm. You raise, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and how, you know, police will be there on the scene before anything happens for peaceful protesters who don't have weapons. Mm. And I think what's happening here is that These white nationalist groups are benefiting from privilege, even from the people who claim that they don't um, agree with their views. They just see them as, you know, white men um, and white men, of course, are less dangerous um, than any group of black people. Mm. And so it's just unconscious allowance of, okay, we'll Mm. let these groups of white men have their moment to speak. Mm. And it's going to be okay, even though it's it's hateful speech. And we had an entire war in a world war <laughs> over this type of speech so there's just this
0: but i mean can, can you imagine a situation where the friday night transpires with all black faces um oh automatic God. weapons are drawn that the police would have engaged those people and we probably would have seen a lot of bloodshed yeah. prior to there even needing to be anti-protesters i'm, I'm right? actually i'm so. amazed that
1: only and and look we probably should have started off the show talking about the folks who lost their lives that's that's our bad Um, So, obviously, condolences to Heather Heyer, the two police officers, and the family members there. Mm. Um, But I'm actually amazed at what the the images that I saw, and not just the ones that were on the news, Mm. but especially, like, seeing what was going on with Vice News, and and seeing the Instagram photos, seeing people, you know, head split open, the guy getting assaulted in the parking parking garage, garage, getting beaten, like, I'm, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it is truly amazing that only, you know, 3 people and, and only one person from the actual,
0: you know, incident itself right. lost their life. I mean, it's uh oh. And the organizers literally spoke the next day and said, "Hey, we're going to do the same thing in DC. We'll see y'all next time." It was time.
1: a victory for them.
0: They they if you hear them talk, they're like, "Yeah, this was a victory for
1: us." Uh-huh. That's foolish. And I mean, it, go ahead.
3: Yeah, all all I I just think back to, you know, the privilege that these men and women because let's not forget there are women in the yeah, crowd too they definitely that were. they walk around with that they have the audacity to see the violence on day one and say okay we're coming back for more of that we're gonna bring we're gonna bring more of that and then you know they don't even have any sense of fear yeah. that there will be any any retribution like they're talking about having more rallies in september october all over the the country yeah. um it's really that deep-seated sense of privilege that w- we're going to be okay, no matter what.
2: But I tell you, I, I, you know, they can say they feel like they're winning all they want, but I think from a media perspective, they are losing bad. Because mm-hmm. if you look at it, what are we seeing? We're seeing radical riot shields, mm-hmm. swastikas, mm-hmm. kicking, screaming, spitting, torches, fire. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at us on our side, our vigil yesterday, you see mothers, you see fathers. You see professors, you see students, you see black, you see white, you see Asian, you see America. Hmm. And I think You see
0: an actual American flag. You see an actual American flag. <laughs> yes. You mean the one that we actually fly now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. I mean, but Thank I think
2: you. you know, one thing that is will always be obvious and it needs to remain obvious to everybody is that this is a radical minority lashing ag- out against America. So, and and okay. if they if they think they won after what What's being projected to them all over CNN and even Fox News.
0: So do you feel as though I hope, that, I hope that's their strategy? Keep do you, doing. Do that. you feel as the we'll president, the president also represents a radical minority?
2: I think everybody knows that now, and I think right? they're seeing it more and more every time. And if they're not, we then that's on us. We got to figure out how to keep keep pushing them in that corner.
1: So my question is this: Is it really a radical minority? Because these right. people were not hooded. These folks were wearing polos, khakis. Right. These yeah. are some businessmen, some professors, and they're losing um, their jobs. So, okay, so that's the question. So, do we have any verifiable evidence that these folks
0: are going to lose their jobs? One I mean, person, lost, it. one person has lost a job. Okay, yeah, one, uh, one, and pen, then one, one person was not was, was falsely identified. It was it was misidentified. Uh, that was the Arkansas engineering uh, teacher. It wasn't him okay yeah so there's like there's been a whole you know misunderstanding and it's it was actually a different person and there's so,
2: one parent there's one set of parents that have disowned, disowned their child, their child. Said, oh that was he, real i saw he that said the child needs yeah. to change
0: their name or put us in the oven yes that was a direct quote yes because he said he said he had said something about putting um putting jews in the oven and yep. the, his father essentially said if you want to do that you got to put us in the oven too I was like, wow, that's, that's deep. So I guess what I'm
1: curious, though, is that, you know, we're talking about we're talking a lot about white privilege. Have you all seen any like the what's going on in the news, what the what the politicians are having to say about this, particularly the the Republican ones? Have you guys been paying attention at all? I, ha-
3: I have been following. That. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. what's happening as I see it is there's Donald Trump he's not even representing the office of the presidency anymore. <laughs> there, there, really is is, there is Donald Trump. Right. Then there is the office of the presidency. And then there is the Republican party. Right. And so for the first time in um, recent history, as as far as I know, mm. there really is this distinction between who the president is as a civilian and the office of the presidency, mm. because people are drawing that clear line. Like, Oh yeah, mm. Donald Trump said that, but, the messaging from the office of the presidency you know what was completely different (laughs) and Uh, the
0: republican party itself is silently distancing themselves from him like you you see folks dropping out of his councils to the point where he has to cancel the whole council and you know little things like that happening but it's still so, so my my you know call it a conspiracy theory but and we've talked about this offline not on the podcast um my feeling is that I don't think Donald Trump is going to get impeached anytime soon. Okay. I think that the Republicans are waiting till the midterm elections to see if they can hold their offices. If they start to lose their offices, then they will not no longer back Donald Trump. If Donald Trump rides them into their, their midterm election victories, they will continue to ride with him and he will he will ride out his four years. Well, it, so, I mean, now it's looking kind of bad. because. But honestly,
2: know, the way the lines are drawn and the way voter participation is during the midterms it's going to be really hard for them to lose power right so if that's their barometer of whether or not they're going to stick with trump or not
0: do you disagree
2: well if i'm maybe i, mean, I, it may be. Do I you actually, think they I don't take disagree. action?
0: They over overt action against them before they know whether or not their their seats are safe
2: i think i think actually you know what i don't know if they will because you mm. have to think about it everybody disowned him, and the moment he won mm. they came running back exactly and so now they're probably at a point where they're like look we're just gonna see where this road takes us yep cuz last time we doubted it we yeah. we were wrong exactly And unfortunately i i, th- I think that might i mean your what yeah. you said their strategy may be i think that's not a that's not a bad look at how they might be thinking about it hmm.
3: i mean i think that there's a number of things that the republican party wants to accomplish so we still have you know well healthcare has been a wash <laughs> we still have tax reform that mm-hmm. has yet to be accomplished. so I think mm. that they're going to ride it out to see if they can accomplish the things on their agenda mm. under the Trump presidency. They got the
0: Supreme Court nomination. They
3: got the Supreme Court, nom- which is huge. Yeah. I mean, bigger than maybe some people even yeah. even recognize. Yeah. But you have these other things, tax reform, a lot of other initiatives that they are just riding on his coattails to see if they can, um, they can push through. push through. And like like yeah. Greg said, you know, in a lot of these um, midterm elections, unfortunately, because of the way our, our voting districts are created um it's predetermined you can call the we could call some of these elections today based mm. on who the incumbent is the way the district is drawn up yeah. and so there's not a lot of wiggle room we we pretty much know what it's going to look like in 2018 yeah. so it makes you question even more yeah. why some of these republicans are standing by donald trump when they know what the future holds well
2: mm.
1: let me ask you what do you all think what's your reaction to their denouncement of of trump i guess uh and and how he's handled this because i'm actually really really nervous about it Why are you i nervous? feel like they've
0: been very they've been they've tiptoed with their words about the denouncement are they denouncing trump or are they denouncing the view that some have interpreted in the media of how he feels about it either way well
1: they're denouncing white supremacy. They're denouncing these groups, oh, and they're name. saying that you know Donald Trump um, should denounce them as well, this right. and the other. So they're basically going against Trump. I'm actually really, really nervous. Why? Because from my experiences, right? Like conservatives, it, it, not just politicians, but conservative friends that I have like to do the same with they like to point figures at liberals because mm. in the sense that it's just like they like to they like to say the liberals are always calling Republicans racist, calling mm-hmm. white people mm. racist, this, that, and the other, with in my opinion, not really understanding the distinction the distinction between racism and bigotry, right? Mm. Which is a topic we could get into. But and they they always they're always quick to point out how you know, liberals are race baiters, and this, that, and the other, and they're mm-hmm. always trying to, to, to. They're always putting themselves on the defensive. Mm-hmm. And now, when this happens, right, when something is clearly, uh, clearly bigoted and clearly racist action in their eyes happens, now they can get take on the, the high, moral goals high ground. And, and, yeah. and yeah, they take the moral high ground, and it's just like. But wait a minute, like, you guys are not that clever. Like, I don't buy any mm, of this. Mm. You know, it's, it's very simple to sit there and denounce racism when it's right in front of your face, when you've got the, the symbols, the actual yeah. symbols of racism. But all the subvert things that they try to pass through Congress, the, you know, they try to pass through with their legislation, mm. all the things that they talk about in the media, the way they try to paint African-Americans, like, mm. all that stuff still stands. Right. And the thing is this, like, these folks ultimately all back Trump. And so they're all denouncing these things. But who is their guy right now? Mike Pence is their guy. And what is Mike Pence doing? Mike Pence is defending Trump. So it's just like, which is it? Like, I'm not going to fall for this. But this is the trap that they're all going to do. Because Mm -hmm. the moment that any Democrat at this point forward tries to call out any conservative policy is being racist or any politician is being racist they're all going to say hey i was right there when charlottesville happened and i yeah. denounced the actions of the right, kkk exactly. and the neo nazis and it's that's just like it yo
0: it's political theater
1: but mm. but like that's a real dangerous problem and yeah. to me that's what that's what we really need to address right mm. there needs to be cuz i feel like a lot of a lot of americans um, white americans they understand the difference they understand that racism is evil but they don't really understand what racism is they understand what bigotry mm is uh, they understand what racism is when it appears uh bigoted when it appears as bigotry but they don't understand all the the, the subvert forms of racism right. and that's what i think a lot of that stuff the way the republicans are going to play it they're just going to ease right on back to that and it's just like i'm not really convinced any real progress is going to be made so long as no mm-hmm. one's calling them out on that
3: mm-hmm. i mean i actually would, would offer like another point of view on that i Please see do. where you're coming Please from do. in terms of the nervousness I'm focused less on what the Republicans are doing, but more on how um, the Democrats or liberals generally can use this as an opportunity to make an incremental mm. step forward. Look what's going on. We have people oh, and a woman was arrested today for taking for participating yeah. in taking down um, a Confederate statue mm. in North Carolina. We have Baltimore City in the you know in the dead of night at three o'clock in the morning (laughs) they took down all their confederate um statues so they
0: stole a football team too. (laughs) Uh.
3: right so we see where things are happening at this very like micro level where liberal ideologies are being um at the grassroots level you know they're Mm -hmm. being adopted by by average people so Mm -hmm. I agree that it's concerning from the like 30,000 foot level of what the Republicans are doing. But I do see like some small victories here for liberal ideals, even if it's just, it's no longer Jefferson Davis highway. There's no longer, any you know, moving those symbols, that's going to have an impact on what our children are seeing.
0: But do our politics represent the grassroots, right? Like, like our politicians backing, you know, we think that it's right that in, in Baltimore um, they pulled down those those monuments. Or but that was local politics. That was yeah. the city
3: council that decided it. And I really think that people sometimes forget that the politics that impacts your life the most mm. is the one that's happening in your own backyard. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, and if you don't make an effort to get involved in local politics, then you you really might be hurting yourself right. there if you just get distracted by what's going on on the national on the national stage. So I that's think point. you know there's different ways to look at it from the national level but also like what can you do that's going to impact what your kids sees walking down the street in mm-hmm. you know on the downtown mall in Charlottesville. Yeah. Um that has a that has some merit and some value too. So. Yeah.
0: That's a good point. So I guess to kind of bring it bring it home like where do we go from here? I don't know. Do you guys want to talk about steps uh that we can take in terms of progress as, as the you know Charlottesville alums, University of Virginia alums.
2: Yeah, uh, there's there's plenty we can do. Um, I think as it pertains to this issue, I mean, Irva said it so perfectly that it it comes back to what ha- what's happening locally. Hmm. And August 30th is the next hearing, uh, where folks can actually present their opinions as residents of Charlottesville or as concerned students um, to the judge. That is a part of this whole removal process. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge opportunity for us to send everybody we know that is re- that are residents or constituents there, mm-hmm. and if we don't, if you if you personally aren't a constituent, you can call somebody, you can knock on the door of somebody, right. you can text them, you can do whatever. But filling that room up with as many voices as possible to ensure that it's not just the radical few that are being heard when these decisions are made. So that's one big thing. Um, a second big thing is we we even talked about today. There's a lot of awareness that needs to happen around this issue and this conflict. People need to understand that these were largely outsiders. They need to understand that the city council is actually in favor of removing this statue. They need to understand that it's not the students that are standing behind marching through grounds on a Friday night a right. week and a half before moving. <laughs> you know, across, like walking across the lawn. Right. right. <laughs> like they need that awareness needs to happen. And that's only going to happen if we tell our own stories. And the simplest way to do that is on social media mm-hmm. um, by using the hashtags. We have a hashtag who's against hate. One, that uh, that's for primarily students. We have...
0: That's H-O-O-S against hate.
2: Yes, sir. We have We Are Charlottesville, hashtag We Are Charlottesville, if you want to just stand in solidarity with the community or you're from the community and didn't go to school uh, there at, at UVA. And then there's Takedown Hate, which we've already had a few celebrities and, and a lot of big names who have already shown uh, their support from the outside looking in on taking down these statues of hate. So social media is another big thing. The third thing that we're also trying to trying to push folks to do um, whether you're a student or beyond, is that you know a lot of this hate is bred or taught, uh, not bred, but taught to these youth. Um, and what we need to do is also make sure we're focused on teaching love to our youth and, and making sure our younger generations understand how to process this and how to navigate through this world that, yeah. that may be hostile to them. So we're pushing really hard for people to actually mentor youth, um, to become a part of a tutoring program, to be involved with their local schools, whether it's a high school or middle school. I mean, each of us, who has done so much with our lives it'll mean nothing if we don't bring somebody with you um Mm -hmm. so that's a big thing we're pushing for if you're in the dc area on thursday um august 17th there's a big uh, my brother's keeper recruitment fair from at six o'clock at the national press club so we encourage you to be there but there are probably thousands if not millions of programs across the country that folks can be involved with um so that's another big item for us and then the last thing is You know, again, beyond social media, just telling your own personal story in the the broader media is really valuable. We've had folks in Kentucky and Alabama who who maybe are really far from Charlottesville, but have a really important voice to share to that local community that's so far away from it and don't actually have. The luxury of digging deeper into the narrative. So if you are alumni and you're way out in Oklahoma or wherever, we really need you to write to your paper, to get into your local news and tell the story of your experience and paint that picture so that the community and the university doesn't hurt for in the long term. um, And we can still continue to bring some of our great minds through a university that needs it most.
1: Can you also tell me about the effort that you all are doing, that you are organizing for the incoming um, class, yeah. particularly the, uh, the African-American students?
2: Yeah, so uh, it's kind of two parts to it. So this, this weekend, we're going down to UVA, we're helping with move-in, move some boxes, you know, help people get out of their trucks, assure their parents it's not as crazy as it looks. <laughs> um, but we're going down Friday and Saturday to help with move-in. Uh, we'll have kind of a kind of communal lunch um there's uh, some leaders in the bsa and, and other student groups that want to talk with us to meet with us so there'll probably be a couple of reception slash meetings that we'll organize over the two days that we're there but most importantly just to show the university community that there's a huge alumni presence that is a part of as uh, much a part of their undergraduate experience as their professors are and as their faculty are so that's a big one we want everybody to come even if you didn't go to uva that's cool we'll figure out a way <laughs> for you to have a role um and then secondly uh we're going to launch a letter writing campaign uh to send letters from alumni that literally to give to alumni hall so as they're recruiting they can share like here's the story of yinka here's the story of of andrew outlaw here's the story of irva so that people get a very diverse um perspective of what uva is about and not just what they read in the u.s news world report or what they saw on cnn Uh do you have
1: anything to add what what, you know what can we do going forward
3: you know I think Greg sun- summed it up. Um, only thing I would give a plug for is a organization that I work with here in DC called Horton's kids. Um, I've done tutoring with them. Um, they work with kids primarily that live in Southeast DC. It's a great organization, but as Greg said, there's so many organizations and I would just encourage people to look locally um, and see how they can try to foster this Um Foster love, you know, in young kids, and show them that it's not about promoting promoting hate. It's about connecting to each other and learning how to be compassionate.
1: I I have one question um, for everybody, and I have to ask this question because, look, we did go to Mr. Jefferson's University, mm-hmm. right? And even though you know, I'm not going to equate Thomas Jefferson to the generals of the Confederacy. Jefferson obviously has a very I don't know, nuanced history, to put it lightly. <laughs> um, and the university does as well. And so, okay, I am, no, I am not advocating to, to take down the statue of Jefferson. I don't think that we need to do that. It's not what I'm saying. However, you know, it's a very taboo subject. Like, how do, how do we address that? You know, especially as, a, as alum of the school. Um, but, you know, how do we kind of address those types of things? Like, do you guys have any suggestions? Or do we not need to? You do- mean
3: like what Trump said? When he was saying, should we tear down George Washington's statue and all that?
1: No, but how do we, I guess, change this discussion about that? Like, how can we be more honest about, you know, his entire history and not necessarily paint, I guess, a whitewashed version? Because, look, we as African-American students are obviously well-versed in that history of Thomas Jefferson, but I'm not necessarily convinced that the entire student body, they probably know it, but I don't think they really care about it. And so, one, do you think it should be do you think that that discussion should be brought to the forefront a little bit more so we can have some clarity on it or should we just kind of keep it where it so is? So
0: I, I personally think that actually we, we have um, brought that up and okay. and I, I, I we've seen action from, um, you know, my second year I lived uh, in uh, Gooch Dillard and at the time, Gooch Dillard obviously is built on the bodies of the people who built the university, right? Mm-hmm. There's a mass grave there. Uh, there was nothing there. And I think eventually they put um, like a little placard that kind of said, you know, here lie the folks that built the university, right? That that wasn't there initially. And, mm-hmm. and additionally, um, I think the university came out with a statement um, regarding Thomas Jefferson's mixed race children right and yeah, um, exactly. I, I don't really know that yeah, I mean, yeah I yeah. don't know the details of what the statement was but I do remember that I, that I don't folks. know the
3: details of that statement but I do know we also have like the um, I might be forgetting the title of it with the commission on, on slavery um, some other efforts just to kind of be more honest yeah. um, not only in Charlottesville but at the university about the role that enslaved people had in making UVA what it is, I mean, I I agree with you, um, Andrew, that we need to just have more more honesty. I think that this country has a big problem with shame. Mm -hmm. You know, it wants to be that city on the hill that's perfect and um, we need a kind of, what is it called, truth and reconciliation.
0: Uh, I agree. 100%. You know? Yeah, our, our BSA, our OAAA. I think, you know, we just continue, need to continue to voice how important these issues are, you know, to our community. And I think, I think we have, and I think we just need to continue that. And, and that's the way forward in terms of that. That's my opinion on it, at least. Anyone else have any opinions?
1: Anything else to share?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, at our vigil, uh, one of the the former professors said it best, you know, Thomas Jefferson was far from a perfect man, mm. but he did say some perfect words mm. um, that all men are created equal. And I think that just the spirit of UVA, despite all of its, its transgressions, is it's been all about empowerment. You know, they empowered me for the first time to look at an adult as an equal, you know, look at my professors as an equal, to look at my my faculty as an equal. And that that empowerment is something I've kind of carried the rest of my life. Is that I walk into every room and I know I'm just as good, if not better, than anybody I'm looking eye to eye with. And a lot of that was was trained to us, you know, at UVA. And and if you look at his history, I mean, even politically, it was like, look, give the states the power they deserve. You know, let them <laughs> let them lead, let them let them own, let them make decisions. And a lot of that is, you know, I'm thankful for it now that we have a Trump as president. You know, because we actually can hold the lines. You know, but that's a lot of. The spirit of empowerment that thomas jefferson um lived for and ultimately left behind so i mean i I think i think you're right there's a lot there's a lot about him that makes it really hard especially as as a black person african-american person to 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 support um Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of what he's done that has made this country a better place um and frankly made me a better person yeah. you all
1: can't see but we're all kind of gently nodding our heads yeah cause here, so. it's
0: weird like you know I mean and and this isn't just a UVA thing but it definitely is a UVA thing you come on campus and they like they're like drink the Kool-Aid yeah. like you worship Thomas Jefferson yeah. it's like yo relax like, you know what <laughs> <man>? <laughs> like I get it he's a great man so I I think it's it's yeah. good for us to have an honest conversation about it and I definitely think the university should you know whenever given the opportunity also broach those topics cause they're important Mm-hmm. So Remember.
1: do we have anything else to ask? We wrap it up.
2: Well, I just—if you guys did not see the the funeral today, um, uh, Heather Hayer's uh, mother said something really. She's a, she was a champ. Oh my god, her speech was so good, and like I was just repeat it for us. If, or repeat well, the gist of it, if you not if you, the whole. I don't know the whole speech. <laughs> uh, the, just the but, gist, the bullet points. I mean, the big thing is, you know, she said that, you know, the people that took Heather's life tried to silence her um but instead of that they magnified her and they Mm. they made her voice bigger and she also shared that you know no one should have to lose their child but she said i'll be damned if i'm gonna lose my child and we're not gonna do something you know in the Mm. aftermath and you know i just it was so inspiring The one quote that, that really stood out to me i just wanted to share with you all she said um after this you need to find in your heart that small spark of accountability what is there that i can do to make the world a better place and for her to come out of such a traumatic yeah. point and see this as a as a way to inspire people all over the country, and my, you know, this is not she's not a politician, lawyer, you know, city councilwoman. This is right. looks like just a nice yeah. old lady, you know. <laughs> but for her to see that and 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 make that charge of us, you know, with her daughter, you know, not even in the ground yet. I mean, I think that's something we need to take extremely seriously um, and use it as fuel to keep pushing forward, even though things aren't great and it may actually get worse you know before we gets better but um hearing words like that from her was was extremely inspiring
0: i think that's a you know good summation so and if you don't know now you know <laughs> we gotta wrap it up on a hip-hop note anyways uh appreciate y'all for coming through both of y'all uh great friends of ours it, it, before we turn the mics on uh You know we don't always get to see our friends you know especially friends from from college and stuff like that so it's just great having both of y'all we were kind of chatting and all bouncy and then we got on this subject that's a very very tense and pensive subject and so just want to thank y'all for coming out and spending time to, to you know say a few words about this
3: Thank you for, you know, allowing us to be here to share our thoughts and for not running away from this topic.
2: Thank you as well. Thank you as well. All right, y'all.
1: Peace. Peace. Peace.
0: Peace. Uh, and when I wake up, I recognize you looking at me for the pay cut. But I looking at you from the face down. One Mac 11 even boom with the face down. Skimming, and let me tell you about my life. Painkillers only put me in a twilight. we pretty pussy and Benjamin is the highlight. And I tell my mama I love her, the... With-